Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone, and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. In chapter 1, Paul is talking about salvation. In chapter 2, he talked about service. In chapter 3, he's going to talk about sanctification. In verse 1, therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone. Now, if you remember, Paul had traveled from the right side all the way up into Thessalonica in the Macedonia area. We saw that in the last couple chapters that we studied. But because of a group of people who lied and had a lot of fake news going on about Paul, persecution popped up. And it was a new church in Thessalonica. So Paul deemed it necessary to leave and go down, and he ended up going into Berea, coming all the way down through Greece, down to Athens, and eventually over into Corinth in the bottom left of the uh, map, where he sent this letter to the Thessalonians, believers in Thessalonica. Now, you have to understand that Thessalonica was a lot like the United States of America or really any place in our world. It was pagan, people who were immoral, who didn't believe in God, or they had false gods. They had idols that they followed. No different than today. We can relate to the people in Thessalonica. This was a group of believers that Paul, Silas, and Timothy had witnessed to, had ministered to. Paul now is with Timothy and Silas down in the Athens area, right at the very bottom in the center of the map. But as we see here, he could no longer endure it. What could he not endure? Well, he could not endure the thought that some of the afflictions, some of the things that were going on all the way up in Thessalonica might deter and waver the new believers. He was concerned with these new believers. Now, he sent Timothy from down in the Athens area all the way up to Thessalonica. If you took a car, it would take five hours, about five hours and 20 minutes. But as we know, they didn't have cars back then. So what most likely was on foot. And on foot, it would take four or five days 
if you travel 20 miles a day. How far are you and I willing to go for Jesus Christ? How far are we willing to go for Him? I think God gives us in His Word these men, these women who did extraordinary things through the power of God's Holy Spirit. I look at the cross and I think of how far God came from heaven to earth and what He did by going to the cross. What He gave up by going to the cross. He was willing to go a great distance for you and I. How far are we willing to go for Him? Paul was so in love with the people in Thessalonica. I think he was in love with every person that God brought in his path, including his enemies. He prayed for them. Paul sometimes traveled for days, months, and years. As we look at these first couple verses, Verse 2, he sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God. Do you realize if you're a guy, you're my brother in Christ? If you're a girl, you're my sister in Christ? You are a minister of God. Did you know that? I'm looking at ministers of God. Minister is simply another name for servant. You're a servant. Of God. If you're new in the Lord, throughout the New Testament, Paul is referred to as a bond servant, a bond slave. A bond slave was a slave who served his time and now could leave. He was free to go, but he loved his master so much he wanted to stay in the house of the master. He was willing to be his slave for life. Now, you and I are more than slaves or servants. We're his children. Jesus loves you so much individually, regardless of what you've come in here with tonight. Whatever baggage you brought, it doesn't stop how much Jesus loves you. And this chapter is full of encouragement for us, but it's also a time that we have to look at and examine Where are we in our commitment to Jesus Christ? We only have to look at this beautiful cross to see his commitment to us. How far he was willing to go. How committed are we to Jesus Christ? Notice in verse 2, And our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, Do not think it unusual as a believer in Jesus that there is laboring going on in your walk with Him or in your talk for Him with other people. Notice right here how Paul says, our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. Even though gospel is good news, sometimes we labor in that good news. It might be with a family member. It might be with a co-worker. It might be with a relative. It might be with a stranger in a store. But Jesus Christ 
came and bridged that gap and he has given us his Holy Spirit that we can carry on the very work of the other ministers of the gospel of God who have gone before us and are now are in heaven with the Lord. This is our time. This is your time and my time. And as we gather together on a Wednesday and on Sunday, and as you go to a home group or have Bible studies with your family, you are growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. He is equipping you for the things that he is laying out for you in your life. Notice here that Timothy was sent in the end of verse 2 to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. Boy, how much do you and I need encouragement? How much do you and I enjoy encouragement? Just getting a pat on the back or a nice kind word from anybody. And if you didn't get a word of encouragement today, I'm going to give you one right now. You're awesome. You're all awesome. I'm going to encourage you some more. You came out on a beautiful Wednesday night to fellowship with one another and hear God's word. That is tremendous. There's not many things better that you could be doing right now than what you're doing right this moment. Wouldn't it be cool if Jesus Christ came back right this moment? As we're here together, praising him, looking into his word. How awesome would that be? Verse 3, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for yourselves know that we are appointed to this. I want to read that again, because remember what's happening here in the Scriptures, but also we want to make an application to our lives today, because it's very relevant to our day today. That no one should be shaken by these afflictions, For you yourselves know that we are appointed for this. Verse 4, For in fact we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened and you know. This is not a prosperity gospel. This is not name it or claim it. This is the real thing. This is the good news, not the fake news. This is the real thing that God wants us to know everything. And part of everything he wants us to know is that we're going to go through tribulation. We are going to go through afflictions. But just as Paul sent Timothy to a brand new church up in Thessalonica, in an area where there was immorality, debauchery, criminal activity. These Thessalonican Christians, brothers and sisters that we're going to meet one day, we're going to meet them face to face. He sent Timothy there to encourage them and tell them to keep hanging in there that what they're going through is not anything that's unusual to any believer in Jesus Christ. And I got something else to tell you. People who aren't Christians have afflictions and tribulations too. 
But they lack one major, major thing. They don't have the living God living within them to go through those afflictions and tribulations and give a peace that passes all understanding. You have to be reminded. I have to be reminded. On a daily basis is good that afflictions will come. Afflictions will come. You might be in them right this moment. You could be going through something right now. Could be physical. Could be mental. Could be spiritual. Could be all three. Or you've just come out of them. You've just come through this time of tribulation and affliction. You have to remember throughout the scriptures, Genesis to Revelation, suffering has its place in our life. Suffering has its place in our life. If we don't understand this, our faith can be shaken. As we see here, and Paul is telling us in this letter, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. Don't be shaken by any affliction that you're going through. More importantly, you find out how firm is your foundation when you're going through a shaking, right? As you're being shaken, you see where your foundation is. You see if you have one foot on Jesus Christ or both, or just a hand, or you're standing next to him. We want Jesus under us. We're on him. He's in us. He's our firm foundation. We have to understand this because we all know I know most of you in here. We've gone through trials, tribulations, and afflictions. Not just once, but many times. And there's a tremendous chance that before we meet Jesus face to face, we're going to have more trials and tribulations and afflictions. That is why it is so important to understand that every single moment of every single day, God wants us to get into a deeper relationship with Him. Do not be satisfied simply you've been, you've been a Christian for 30 years, 20 years, 10 years, 5 years, 2 years. God is the author and perfecter of your salvation. This is a lifelong journey. If you've accepted Jesus, what He did at the cross shed his blood for your sins and my sins, and you've accepted him, you've embraced him by faith. You are saved. But this is a process, and we'll talk about it more about the sanctification. A sanctification is an ongoing process. It's not a one-time thing. In verse 4, we, we see that word tribulation. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, It talks about how Jesus is the captain of our salvation and he was made perfect through suffering. Jesus Christ himself as a man went through suffering. The suffering of the cross. The suffering of the scourging, the suffering of the rejection, the suffering of being betrayed by one of his close followers of three years. 
the suffering of seeing loved ones die throughout his time on this earth. As he hung on the cross, the insults, the things he went through for you and for me on that cross. Should it be any different for the followers of Jesus to be perfected as our captain of our salvation was through suffering? In Hebrews 5.8, it says, Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. We learn obedience by the trials and sufferings we go through. Why? Because it shows us our hearts. It shows us where we are in our walk with the Lord. How committed and serious we are. I know when parts of my life things are going good. When I was a younger guy, I didn't even think about God because everything was so nice. It's when something hard hit me. I was shaken. That's when I cried out to the Lord. But as we grow in our faith and maturity, we should be understanding that, hey, whether in good times or bad times, we are always calling out to the Lord. We're not waiting for a certain event to happen in our lives. We're in communication with Him daily. Now, if you're an experienced believer, you know this. But if you're an inexperienced believer, this might be something that's brand new to you. And this is part of God teaching us through His Spirit. Don't be surprised. You might say, well, ever since I've been a Christian, I've been going through all these crazy things. Welcome to the club. It's not unique to you. It isn't. God is perfecting us. He's completing us. He's bringing us to that point that we are more like Him. Understand before we jump into verse 5 that your walk with Jesus will be tested. Your walk with Jesus will be tested. Verse 5. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. Paul wanted to know the degree of the faith of the believers in Thessalonica. This was one of the reasons he sent Timothy there, to check on them, also to help them, but he needed to know where they were in their walk with Christ. Was it rare, medium, or well done? How about you and me? Where is our Faith, where is our walk with Christ? Is it rare? Is it halfway? Is it medium? Or is it well done? Because remember, one day, Jesus is going to say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come on in to a place I prepared for you before the foundations of the world. So in this journey together, we need to encourage one another to not stop meeting together to break bread with each other, to get into God's Word together. This will never be a church that will have monitors and you can watch it at home. 
We want you to be here because being here with each other is vital in our healthy growth together. Now, of course, somebody's sick or can't be here, is on the road. Hey, maybe one day we'll have it where you can see what's going on and you can, and you can plug it in. But never forget that one of the things that God has commanded us and the apostles is don't stop meeting together. Flesh and blood meeting. Very important. Notice in verse 5, again, this is the second time in this short letter that Paul brings up the tempter, Satan himself, the devil. Notice, the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. Paul wants to know these Thessalonians' faith. He doesn't want the tempter to get in there and drive a wedge. That the time he spent with them was in vain. It was of no meaning. They fell away like one of the soils when there was the heat and the thorns. They fell away from the faith. Never forget what Jesus went through. Never forget what the prophets and apostles went through. And, no, and you and I will go through to one degree or another. Remember the enemy of our souls, Satan himself, wants to steal from you, he wants to destroy from you, and he wants to kill you. And if he can steal and destroy your faith, this is what Paul was concerned with, with the church in Thessalonica. So he sent Timothy there to encourage them and help them. You and I are here today to encourage and help one another. Praying for each other, for going through certain things. Women, you need to get with women and pray for each other if you're going through trials, tribulation, and men with men. We have husbands and wives, pastors and elders up here to pray with you as a couple or individually. Take advantage of that because we all need that encouragement through prayer. Verse 6, but now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. Verses 6, 7, and 8. The good news to Paul down in the southern part of this area was that they were standing in faith. They were walking the walk and not just talking the talk. They were walking. It was backing up what they believed, what they said. In a world... That was trying to pull them away. In a world that's trying to pull them away. What is trying to pull you away from Jesus tonight? What situation is trying to pull you away? What is, trying to, what, what is going on in your life or my life that's trying to weaken your faith and your walk with Jesus? 
understand that the enemy has an army and they're going to play on that. They see the chink in that armor. But understand that greater is him that's in you than him that's in the world and any of his forces. Remember that one angel that slew 185,000. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. But are we taking advantage of that strengthening by waiting in his weight room? Are we diving in here to get stronger in our faith? That nothing shakes us. That nothing shakes us. That in the midst of our trials, we see Jesus. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Like Daniel in the lion's den. Like Joseph in the prison. Like Jesus on the cross. He knew his father. Those guys knew their God. That no matter what the world threw at them, they were his. He would bring them through it. Either through death, to be in the presence of the Lord, or in life, where they would be a witness and an encouragement to others who would be going through one day similar things. So the good news for Paul, as he was down here in Corinth and uh, Athens, was their faith. Good news was their love. They were loving one another. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says... Faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And as we continue in this chapter, you're going to see that word love, loving one another. How do we do in that area of loving each other? We can't even begin to love the outside world till we love the people that are in front of you, side you, behind you. Do you know each other here in this church? Do you go up and say, hey, I'm not sure who the heck you are, but my name's Vinny. Somebody's got to break through that barrier. You be the first one to do that. Be an encourager. Why? Because as part of our ministry, we're called to do that. Well, I'm sort of shy, man, Pastor Man. I'm sort of shy. The Holy Spirit in you isn't shy. Allow the Holy Spirit to make you the person that He wants you to be. You've said hello to other people before and goodbye. These aren't strangers here. These are eternal people that we're going to see throughout eternity. Love each other. Care for each other. When the Lord puts somebody in this congregation on your heart, write it down. Pray for them. There's a reason He's bringing that person to your heart. You might not even know what it is, but He's bringing that person to your heart. Pray for that person or those people. Pray for this church. Pray that this church stays focused on Jesus Christ. Pray that it stays in His Word, teaching His Word verse by verse. So many churches have gotten away from the Gospel. So many churches have brought sin into the pulpit. May it never be so here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields. May this be a place of life and the Spirit until Jesus Christ comes again. In verses 6 and 7, you remember us. What a word that was to Paul, that they remembered Paul and Timothy and Silas. How huge was this for these guys 
that were the apostles and disciples of Jesus Christ to hear this. Understand, these were the ones who brought the gospel to Thessalonica. Yet they are the ones that are being encouraged by these new believers because they remember them. They said, Timothy, we remember you. We remember Paul. We remember Silas. Everything you taught us, everything you showed is by your example. They didn't believe the lies that were being spread by that group of Thessalonians about Paul and Silas and Timothy, that fake news. They believed these guys. They knew the gospel. They knew God's word. And they saw it reflected in the lives of these people. As you get to know God's word better, you will reflect Jesus Christ to the people around you when you don't even know it. They had a desire to see Paul again. Paul had a desire to see them again. I don't want this to go by the wayside. We as pastors and elders are here to encourage you, to show you God's word. But it's reciprocal. We need to be encouraged and lifted up in prayer by you. We do not have our acts together. We are sinners just like you that accepted a Savior just like you. We go through the trials, the tribulations, the afflictions, the discouragement, the frustrations just like you. We need the prayer for ourselves just as we need to be praying for you. And I think we all, from the pastor, from the pastors and the elders, from you back to us, I think we can all improve in that area, don't you? I think that's something we can be more diligent with. I don't think we could ever do that enough. There's so many dead spots in a day driving walking, that we can be lifting each other up in prayer. Remember, encouragement is a two-way street. Now, you can choose to go through affliction, tribulation, heartache alone. You can. I don't recommend it. I see some of you smiling. I think we've all have tried to do it alone. But we have a friend that sticks closer than a brother who's right there with us in our darkest hours, in our toughest times. Notice in verse 8, For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. Paul wrote from the Athens-Corinth area, he mentioned in 1 Corinthians 2-3 that I was with you in weakness, fear, and much trembling. This is Paul, everybody. I was with you in weakness, fear, and much trembling. We can relate to Paul. He can relate to us. Fear, weakness, much trembling. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He wanted that part of his agony, his impending death. He said to the Father, Dear Father, if possible, take this cup from me. 
But then one of the greatest lines that we can never lose, we've got to stick it deep in our heart. But not my will, Father, but yours be done. And thank God, Jesus Christ stayed obedient right to his Father. Because what he went through enables us to receive everything he gives us from Genesis to Revelation through the enlightening of God's Holy Spirit. We can understand. We're going through tough times, look to the cross. We're going through great times, look to the empty tomb. God has given us that example of what he went through for us. We can do that for him. He gives us that power and strength. Verse 9 and 10. For what thanks can we render to God for you? For all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God. Night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. Notice how there's an encouragement here to pray more. I'm going to encourage you right now and challenge you to make that a top priority, to pray more, to pray 24-7, to pray without ceasing. Right now as I pause, right now as I pause, I'm going to verbalize what I'm praying. Dear Lord, just open up the hearts of these dear people here that are here for you. Help them to see you in a light that they've never seen before. Help them, to grow, help them to grow closer to you. So in that dead space, pray for one another. Prepare your hearts before the Lord and pray for each other. We need it. We all need it. If I ask you right now, what people or situations should you be praying for night and day for? Does anything come to mind? Can you think of something that's going on in your sphere of influence that you could be praying for that situation or person? If so, do it. Be obedient to the leading of God's Holy Spirit. Who do you and I need to meet up with in order to perfect what is lacking in their faith? One more time. Who do you need to meet up with to perfect what is lacking in their faith? Is there somebody that God's put in on your heart to pray more for, to encourage, to come alongside them and help them somehow to show the love of God that has been given to you that you can give it to them? to play it forward, the love that God has demonstrated by giving His only Son for us, how can we play that forward and be a minister of the gospel to others? Not only here in the body of Christ, but out there in that dark and dying world. You are a light in a dark and dying world. Do you bring your light into those dark situations. I can give you one right now that we all, I think, can think immediately of that person 
Who drives you nuts? Who's the thorn in your side? Who's the one that gives you a hard time? Maybe it's your boss, coworker. Maybe it's somebody in your immediate family. Well, there's somebody you can start praying for more. Fervently. Continually. Verse 10, night and day, praying exceedingly. Night and day, praying exceedingly. Like a double, like just doing it, just getting into it. Not just throwing up a prayer, but begging God for that very thing that you're praying for. Verse 11, Now may our God and Father Himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. Now may our God and Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. God's GPS system is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. When we're relying on the Trinity of God, He will direct you where He wants you to be and go. We see in the story here that he directed Paul to tell Timothy to go all the way back up to Thessalonica. What was Timothy's journey like, do you think? What was he doing in his reading God's word and praying? And who did he meet along the way that he had an influence on? And what enemies did Satan put in his way to afflict him and frustrate him? What was the tempter doing in using the world and the flesh in trying to knock down Timothy? You think Timothy grumbled all the way? Why am I doing this? Why doesn't Paul go so I can hang out down near the sea? We've just been up there and they were going crazy. They were beating Silas. They were beating Paul. No, he went. Why? Because he was a minister. He was a servant of Jesus Christ. What is God calling you and I to do? Are we obeying? How far are we willing to go? You don't know the answer? Look at the cross. Look at what Jesus did. How he died for you and for me. He shed his blood for your sins. He rose from the dead. And Paul in his letter to the Thessalonians is talking about the coming of Jesus Christ. Eminent coming of Jesus Christ. As we'll see as we get into chapter 4. Verse 12 and 13, And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. So in those last few verses, actually going back from 10 all the way to 13, He's emphasizing prayer for a personal encounter that there would be be a meeting face-to-face with the people that he loved from Thessalonica. Tonight, when we leave here, there'll be a personal encounter you have with a few people. What's the Lord going to put on your heart? 
share that with that person if he does. If not, even in the sciences they're talking to you, you can be praying for them as you're listening. Second thing, there was prayer for thanksgiving for the joy you bring us. Do you know how much joy you bring the pastors and the elders here as we see you get into God's word? As we see you taking notes or underlining something or asking a question? Talking to a good brother before who was witnessing to some, a, a Jewish lady today. How awesome is that? That God would choose you or me to witness to a, a Jewish person. How awesome is that? And you can witness to a Jewish person, as we, I was sharing, right from the first five books of the Bible. You don't even have to go to the New Testament. You can use the Jewish five books, the Pentateuch, to just witness to a Jewish person. And the Bible says that we are supposed to stir a jealousy up in the Jewish person by loving them and directing them to their scriptures that they kept for us, that they throughout history meticulously kept for us and wrote down everything, that over all the years it hasn't lost anything. God is not finished with the Jewish people. He loves the Jewish people. He loves Israel. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for the wisdom of the president and the prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, that God will open up the scriptures to them, that they would see the Savior. There's more Messianic congregations in Israel today than ever before, than ever in the history of the world. God is doing a mighty work in the very place that Jesus will sit on the throne one day. It's awesome. Paul, in his closing, prayed for faith building. That love would increase among the people. May our love increase here in this building for each other and that it would overflow out into the streets and every place we go. Paul prayed that for an establishment and the strength of our hearts. And when we close tonight, we're going to pray for that also, that God would establish and strengthen your hearts. Establish, used also earlier in this chapter, is direction, to give you direction in Him. Timothy was sent up to give direction to the Thessalonians. The Holy Spirit is in your heart to give you direction and strengthen your hearts. God's Word is encouraging you, is strengthening your hearts for the next thing He has for you and I to do. And finally, to be blameless and holy before God the Father when Jesus Christ comes with all his saints. In Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross, you are holy, you are set apart. Holy simply means to be set apart for him. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are holy, you are set apart to worship him, to love him, to grow in the grace and knowledge of Him. To spread His love to other people that are dying without Him. Blameless. One day we'll stand before Jesus Christ. 
We're going to see in chapter 4 that whole thing of the rapture of the church. Where we'll, if we're still alive, which would be awesome, and we're caught up together in the air to be in the clouds with Jesus, we'll be in His presence. We'll be holy and blameless. We'll never sin again. Those who have gone before us, our loved ones, our friends, strangers in the Lord, they're with Jesus right now. They're holy. They're blameless. Never to sin again. Never to age again. Never to hurt or ache or go through frustration and pain. In John 13, 35, it says, My disciples you will know because they have love one for another. My disciples you will know because they'll have love for each other. And then in 1 John 4.20, it says, You say you love God, but you hate your brother. God calls you a liar. You can say that you love one another or you love God, but you hate your brother. You're a liar. God wants us to love each other, but he wants us to love everyone. That's a supernatural love, isn't it? To be able to love everyone. Only God can bridge the gap in our hearts to do that. Are we gossipers? Are we slanderers? Are we critical of one another? Are we critical of the people in our workplace? We need to turn that criticism into prayer. We need to pray for those people. Because in praying for those people, we are being like Jesus and like Paul who prayed for their enemies and who prayed for their loved ones. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.